0: Hello Detroit. Hello Pistons fans. This is the Sports Ethos Pistons Podcast. I'm your host Joey Guderis. Welcome to the show. It's Thursday morning, January 20th, 2022. And the Pistons have just picked up their sixth victory of 2022 against Sacramento Kings last night, 133-131. On the second half of a back-to-back, we're going to talk about both halves. That first half, the Pistons lose. 102-86 102-86 to the Golden State Warriors. Um, two very different games. The Pistons are now 11-33 and 33 on the year and 6-5 and five in 2022. So on today's show, you know, to s- kind of summarize some takeaways from these games, our big topics are going to be the five spot, first of all. We got sort of an emergence, sort of a development emergence from Isaiah Stewart in that Warriors game And he kind of carried it over into that Kings game Just a little bit So we're going to talk about that We're going to talk about the return of Kelly Olynyk, Putting up a huge line in the Kings game last night In only 22 minutes Back from that MCL um, You know, it's well past his window And it looks like he's just totally healthy Just full strength um, Should be a very influential player For the Pistons in the second half And on the flip side right On the negative side We got to talk about development and we got to talk about this hit piece from Detroit Bad Boys this morning um, on Killian Hayes. You know, I just think it's worth uh, responding to the concerns at this point in the season for Killian. But, you know, it's worth mentioning that we're also in the midst of a rough stretch for Kate Cunningham. um, And at the very least, it was nice to see Sadiq Bey go off against the Kings last night. But our final topic, I think we have to talk about Rodney Magruder, Corey Joseph, and just the rotation as the Pistons near full strength again and could very soon be like a relatively big team. <laughs> At full strength, the Pistons have a lot of big guys. So we're going to talk a little bit about rotations to end the show. Um, but first, listeners, please take A moment to follow at ethosfantasybk on Twitter. The single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's at ethosfantasybk on Twitter. All right, so let's talk about this Tuesday night. Front end of the back-to-back. The Pistons going out to Golden State, falling one hundred two eighty six to, you know, one of the best teams in the NBA. Of course, coming off that blowout loss to the Phoenix Suns who are I think by all accounts the best team in the NBA. So, certainly not an easy set of games here for the Pistons, and it was a rough one. The Pistons shoot 35%, 26% from 3, and only 70% from the line. And it was a tale of two halves. At halftime it was 66-38 Warriors on the on the back of some insanely hot shooting. From Klay Thompson and Stephen Curry, vintage Splash Brothers on display. At the half, Clay had 17, 2-2, two, two, and 2. Steph had 14, 7 assists, and 2 steals. In, in total, the Warriors had 9 steals. The Pistons had 10 turnovers. The Warriors had 6 turnovers. It was um, very much a thumping. The Pistons could get nothing going. 1 of 8 shooting for Sadiq, 1 of 6 for Hamadou. A lot of wild tips around the rim that don't go. Killian Hayes, 0 of 3 shooting. He leaves the game eight and a half minutes in with a hip contusion after running into a cameraman on the sideline. We all hope he comes back soon. And as I teased, we are going to talk about Killian a little later in the show. Uh, He would miss the Sacramento game as well with that hip contusion. Um, Also in that first half, Cade, 3 of 8 shooting. He does hit two threes early on to sort of duel. With Steph a little bit, and that was fun, but unsustainable. And uh, at the end of the game, it doesn't—you know—it doesn't keep up. Um, this is sort of an off night for Cade on the whole. But what was the bright spot in that first half? Isaiah Stewart, 14 points, eight rebounds, five of them offensive rebounds, seven of nine shooting. It seemed as though the Pistons were featuring Isaiah Stewart. Um, And he was really expanding the skill set in this game, much as we've been sort of, you know, hoping for wishing for. Um, I talked about it in the opening show, the launch show, when we did our restoration ranker, talking about the young guys and talking about the development that we want to see from them the rest of the season. And for Isaiah, that was the primary thing for me. Where are the moves? this guy doesn't have moves. You know, I think people think of him as a traditional center, but he doesn't have post moves and he's undersized. So what does he do? You know, does he drive to the hoop? Does he have some face up game? Can he pass out of looks? Can he make reads? You know, can he do more than just dribble handoffs? And in this Warriors game, we really saw a different Isaiah Stewart started with an Isaiah running the floor Euro step lay in. That I think everyone was completely flabbergasted by. I mean, it, it blew up Twitter. I missed the very beginning of this game because NBA TV like was showing the end of the Knicks game instead. So I missed the Euro step. But Twitter was like, Euro, Euro, Euro. So have we ever seen a Euro step from Isaiah Stewart? I don't think so. And throughout that first half, I mean, Isaiah was very active on the boards. As we said, eight rebounds, five of them offensive getting putbacks, getting tip-ins. That's exactly the kind of game we know he plays. Bouncy, energetic, good rebounding instincts. One of the things I'd been saying all year was missing for Isaiah was that touch around the rim. We saw a little bit of it last year, probably more so than this year. He is shooting a lower percentage this year than last year. And so it's nice to see him, yeah, have some touch around the rim, have that euro step. He followed that up with another sort of floater like drive to the paint floater situation um these are good this is just good to see and it was it was definitely isaiah stewart's half although the pistons are otherwise completely futile and maybe we're focusing too much on getting the ball into the hands of isaiah Um, but who's to say i ultimately i go with development in the end of the day i'm all about development and so seeing this from isaiah it made it worth it. It made the game worth it. It made the struggles of the other players a little bit, uh, softer of a blow in the second half. Very interestingly. So, you know, like I said, they almost doubled us up in the first half, the fourth quarter, um, you know, Steph and clay aren't playing. The benches are getting deep. The game ends up Closer than it started, right? The Pistons actually outscore the Warriors in the second half, 48-36. to 36. And in part because of the very strong play of Rodney Magruder. In that second half, Magruder, 17 points, four threes, six of nine shooting. Um, to say this is unexpected uh, <laughs> is an understatement. Certainly, the Pistons have recently uh, had sort of a re-appreciating, uh, uh, what would you say? The value of Rodney Magruder has been talked about a lot, right? He had this deal fall through. We we were planning to trade Rodney Magruder for Bull Bull. Uh, the deal fell through because of Bull bowl, Bull's physical, uh, which he failed. And ultimately, like a week later, the Nuggets announced that he was shut down for the rest of the season to have surgery and then the Celtics trade for Bulbul. So, okay. The Bulbul thing is in the past, right? But the funniest byproduct of it all was that all of a sudden everyone's loving on Rodney Magruder. Oh, he's the heart and soul of the team. (laughs) What? Since when? Right. So Rodney Magruder, literally he's with the nuggets. He's practicing with the nuggets. Then the trade gets rescinded. He comes back to the Pistons having barely played at all, all season. And in this game, like I said, he he finishes with 19 points in 22 minutes, certainly more than he's played all year. It's not a ton of minutes, right? 22. But you don't really expect to see Rodney Magruder out there, and you certainly don't expect to see him balling out. So, um, you know, in a a completely nothing garbage game um, where you've lost Killian to an injury, you have some minutes to go around. You want to get the guy reintegrated. um, I think it's fine, but... Ultimately, I don't want to see that much more Rodney McGruder. But hey, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, Plus, either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit. And the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And be sure to check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. You know, it's interesting. It actually kind of carried over into the Kings game on Wednesday night. Pistons win 133-131. And another... Big game for Roddy Magruder. 32 minutes. So, up from last game by a significant margin. 15 points, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Three threes. Magruder is very much the guy who is there to take the shot, the wide open shot, and has as good a chance as any other Piston of making it. I mean, I really think this recent run of play from Roddy Magruder kind of puts the rest of the roster to shame because this guy hasn't played all year. And, you know, is he one of our better three point shooters? I think he is. Um, Do we want to win games with 32 minutes of Rodney Magruder, three threes, 15 points? Now I'm, now I'm not so sure. Right. Against the Warriors. It was a garbage game. We lost anyway. Magruder has not played all year. You want to sort of get him feeling good. He's back in the team that tried to trade him. But here, I mean, here you're acting like he's one of your five best players. Also of note, Corey Joseph plays 37 minutes, the most of anyone on the team ever present on the court with 19 points, four rebounds, nine assists, and a block. You know, Corey Joseph is just as responsible for Pistons' runs on offense as he is for Kings' runs with his, I mean, to the eye, weak defense. Doesn't offer much resistance to a guy like De'Aaron Fox. Um, Terrence Davis was on fire for the Kings. So certainly the backcourt for the Kings, uh, not having many issues scoring the ball in this one. 35 points for Davis, 27 points for Fox. The best player on the court for the Pistons, though, was Sadiq Bey in 34 minutes, 30 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists and a steal, 5 threes, 5 of 5 from the line, and 56% shooting from the field. A great game for Sadiq. And, you know, this is how we know he's a dude. Totally picking up uh, a bad performance from Cade Cunningham. And, you know, Cade fouls out in this game. He has foul trouble all game. Seemingly, every time he comes in the game, he's picking up a foul. And... Dwayne Casey pulls him at every opportunity. Every single foul is immediately followed by Cade coming out of the game, looking frustrated. I'm not sure it's good for him. When he's in the game, he's cooking. You know, 13 points in 20 minutes, 50% shooting with a three, four or five from the line is pretty good. You know, obviously, if he plays 13 more minutes, he probably ends up with a really respectable stat line. Kind of reminds you of the Phoenix game where Cade was – cooking with 21 points in the third quarter when he gets ejected on a super weak taunting call. So it's been a rough stretch from Cade. Um, But like I said, it's good to see Sadiq pick up that slack. We know that this, you know, is sort of more proof that he is a part of our future and a part of our future starting five. Very versatile, very lethal in this game, shooting the three off the bounce. I mean, when it's going in for Sadiq, it's going in. You know, he he has the ability to absolutely catch fire. But the other headline from this game, in terms of player notes and just reading the box score, is Kelly Olynyk, 22 points in 21 minutes, nine rebounds, five assists, a steal and a block, two threes, four of four from the line. In his return from a lengthy layoff after that MCL knee injury, wearing the brace, Kelly looked 100%. He looked like there were no issues, no concerns. I think the Pistons have been just sort of waiting and working him back to 100%, and he looked 100% here. So what can we take away from a game? And Let me just say how it ended because um, the Pistons are actually losing 130-120 with three minutes left, and they go on a 13-1 run to close the game including the Kings having two shots at a game winner down by 2 um and missing both you know the pistons were stout the pistons had energy and spirit it was fun to root for in some respect but i also think at the end of the game you wonder what it was all about why did we do that why did we win that game when when sadiq bay has the best game of anyone on your team that is an obvious silver lining and something to take pride in You know, to to rejoice about. But otherwise, this was a game carried by Kelly Olenek, Corey Joseph, and Rodney Magruder. I don't want to be winning games like that. I don't particularly care about Rodney Magruder, Corey Joseph. I like Kelly because I think he can make other guys better. And you could say something similar about the other two. I just don't know what is the point. When we're winning games, but all three of these guys are on the court for pivotal moments and large stretches of the game. You know, we're obviously getting a good game from Sadiq here, but to what extent are we missing out on Isaiah? Are we missing out on Cade? Obviously Killian not in this game at all. So some big holes in the lineup, and I just hope that down the stretch we can get away from the all veteran lineups. Um the all-veteran bench units. And that kind of leads me to my final topic of the day, and I think it's sort of a summarial topic for everything we've talked about today, including having a chance to talk about Killian Hayes, who, who didn't play much in the Warriors game, didn't play at all in the Kings game. But this topic is rotations, right? As the Pistons get Kelly O'Linick back, as they get Rodney Magruder going, uh, as Corey Joseph is taking a step forward, A lot of things are happening to show us, first of all, how deep the Pistons roster is. We also have some indications that Chris Smith, our two-way guy with the Motor City Cruise, as well as Isaiah Livers, our other two-way contract, our second-round pick from this last draft. Both of these guys are nearing their returns. Chris Smith is playing for the Motor City Cruise. Isaiah Livers... Has been a bit of a mystery, but he's posted on social media recently very cryptic message simply indicating soon. So whether that means with the Cruz and then the Pistons or straight into the Pistons, I think there's a chance that relatively soon both of these guys could be getting looks with the Pistons. They're both sort of small forward, power forward types, 6'8", 6'9". So they would bring good size to the roster we got Kelly back. That's big size. We're getting good play from Isaiah Stewart. That size. Jeremy Grant could return and give us size as well. We might trade him and bring someone back who's a front court player. So, a lot happening that's really flipping this team on its head, right? When Kelly was out, when Jeremy was out, the Pistons were going really small small ball, Trey Lyles, right? Small ball five, Trey Lyles. So first of all, that's right out. I think Trey is you know, more than capable as a very end of bench player. He he played admirably. But Kelly kind of makes him pointless, right? Kelly is a true stretch 5. He's a true sort of facilitator, three-point threat who can, you know, really actually beat you on offense with his size. Trey Lyles is savvy and and worked some of those matchups and you know put up some decent games, but um, I do think Kelly kind of pushes him out of the picture with all these other big guys entering the picture at this point. Um, similarly, like Corey Joseph is a great end of bench player, great backup point guard, um, maybe even a third point guard because we're having this developmental you know eye towards things so. Maybe it's Killian, then Saban, then Corey. And I'm just talking purely hypothetically about what I want to see. I know this isn't going to happen. I know Corey Joseph is going to play a lot the rest of the year because that's how Dwayne Casey rolls. Maybe the last month they'll like shut him down if the Pistons are winning too many games or something. Not, not that I think Corey Joseph is good and contributes to winning. I actually don't really believe that. Um, but, you know, what they say... Any NBA player can have a big game, and we've seen a few of those lately from Corey. So for me, yeah, that's the one spot. That's the guard rotation at the one spot. It should be Killian, Saban, Kojo. Those guys are all point guards. If you're gonna play them, I think that's sort of the order they gotta play in. You gotta give Killian until the end of the year. I know about the hit piece from, you know, Detroit Bad Boys. I know he's been really bad. I get it. but all these young guys have had bad stretches. Sadiq had a really terrible month of November. really terrible. And now he's flying. And I don't think Killian has that type of offensive ceiling, but we just won't know if we don't push him to play more than, you know his 26 minutes a night, if we don't push him to take more than his six shots a game. He's a very peripheral player at this point. And um, I just think what we've seen recently from Isaiah Stewart, where his role morphed in that Warriors game. High volume, lots of looks. The team is really trying to work the game in the favor of Isaiah Stewart. Can we not do something similar with Killian Hayes? That's just my thought-provoking question. This is definitely something... That on the weekend, when I have my friend Tony on the show, we are going to get into Killian Hayes. I mean, this is just going to continue to be a topic. But I say he starts. I say he plays 30 minutes. And then at the two and the three spot, you have as sure things as you can possibly have. Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bey should each play you know, 33, 35 minutes. They should each put up the most shots of anybody else on the team. And basically that's already happening when Cade's not getting ejected or foul trouble or whatever else. So we don't really have any complaints there. Just, you know, keep going with those two. So then the front court gets really interesting. And this is really what I'm mainly wanting to talk about because, like I said, we're getting all this size back. So, first of all, you know, if Jeremy Grant is healthy, Jeremy is playing the four. We know that. That's as sure as a a thing as possible. Jeremy has said, you know, he doesn't want to go to a team where he's not one of the first offensive options, um, which is disappointing. It would definitely limit his options if that were what he was looking for. And we know that that's really not his best role, it's really not what another team would want. In trading for Jeremy, I don't think. So, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Jeremy. Assuming he's still on the team after the trade deadline, yeah, he's playing the four the rest of the year. It's not really my preference. Um, I I'd like him to not take the most shots on the game. Sorry, on the team, I'd like him to not play the most minutes of everyone on the team. But you know, it's inevitable at this point um, unless he's moved. And if he's moved, you know, there's a good chance the Pistons will target a front court player, a uh, power forward like Patrick Williams or Jaden McDaniels. You know, they might also get back like a sort of a salary filler type of player, maybe a shooter, uh, veteran type of shooter, who I wouldn't want to play very much if that were to happen. But um, you know, there's all types of possibilities for what could come out of a Jeremy trade that does make it a little bit hard to project ahead, but in a scenario where Jeremy's playing the four, who plays the five? And that, that's like one of the big, big questions for the Pistons. Could it be Kelly O'Linick over Isaiah Stewart? Would that make any sense? That's just like my cliffhanger, thought-provoking question. Because I, I think you do have to play Isaiah Stewart and continue to use Kelly as a six man and as sort of that hybrid of Trey Lyles and Corey Joseph and a tall guy, (laughs) you know, facilitator, shooter, veteran savvy can do a lot of different types of roles can play a lot of roles depending on what you need. So Kelly might still be that ideal six man in terms of his flexibility but I don't know. I mean, maybe there's even a world where it's Cade, Sadiq, Jeremy, Kelly, Isaiah. I mean, we'd be huge at that point and, uh, have some pretty decent shooters on the floor too. It all depends if the Pistons are trying to win games or trying to develop players. If they're developing players, Killian should play 30 minutes. Isaiah should play 30 minutes. Sadiq and Cade should play more than 30 minutes. And then the second unit, right? Um, Saban Lee, as I said, I think he's the backup point guard. I think Frank Jackson is the backup shooting guard. Should be back very soon. I don't see a ton of upside in Frank Jackson, but I do. I do like him. I think he was a worthwhile flyer, and I think he gets till the end of the year unless we bring in, you know, like a shooting sort of prospect. And then the three spot, you got Hamadou Diallo. He's been too good lately. He's been starting a lot of games lately. Um, so it's a shame to push him to the second unit, but he doesn't offer shooting. We know he's a little better in a sort of scrappy lineup where he can be ball dominant if he wants to be. And playing with Sabin Lee and playing with Frank Jackson, he could certainly be ball dominant if he wanted to. Then there's the question of the four spot. Like I said, we got Isaiah Livers coming back soon, Shooter, 6'8". We got Chris Smith maybe working his way into the picture, 6'9", Shooter, Playmaker. So I want to run those two guys out out of that four spot in the second unit. 20 minutes. Let's see what they got. And then, like I said, I think the five is Kelly Olenek, but he's also your six man and just sort of your versatile guy. And, you know, that's how I see it. Corey Joseph, Rodney Magruder, Trey Lyles, Josh Jackson, to me, are all totally peripheral. I know they've been playing a lot lately. I know it has, in some ways, contributed to some positive performances, certainly against the Kings. But there's just no way you can justify playing these guys, let alone playing them 38 minutes a night like you did Corey Joseph. Last night. So, I definitely want to bring this topic back up on the weekend. We're going to have my friend Tony on the show, planning to at least. And uh, we're going to have a chance to really debate this. I think we're also going to touch on the upcoming 2022 NBA draft and who we think the Pistons should be targeting. The word is the Pistons are set on trying to get a top three pick in the draft, as any team should be and as Pistons fans are praying for. And I know Tony also wanted to talk about Trey Lyles, but we, we might not talk about him anymore. I think Kelly has basically eliminated him from relevance. Hopefully his role kind of settles into a low, low minutes, low usage role. So before we go, we want to also remind you to use coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign-up to unlock deposit bonuses there as well. Looking ahead, the Pistons are playing the Jazz tomorrow, a team they just beat. A very good team, so that was a surprise. We'll see if they can do it again probably do a show on saturday before the pistons play the nuggets on sunday and then again on tuesday interesting little home and home action coming up but for today i've been joey godaris go pistons see you later